Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss, the best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Off and rolling Tuesday, October 10th, 2023, and welcome in to the Gabe Coon Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Coon on X. At G underscore Coon 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Coon Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X. Please go look at his X right now. Hilarious picture on there. But on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, my my old jersey didn't fit you all that well, did it? No, Brought it more, into the studio today. More like a dress. Yes. <laughs> I thought my, it fit great, brother. My dad said I look like a beanie baby. I don't even know what that means. I'm not really sure what I, it I'm means, still, but it's clever. I'm still lost, but I don't really get that. <laughs> that's that's like that's dad humor that we don't have access to yet right. because we're not there. I and, think you know. And that jersey is the OG. I mean, that was that was. I mean, I hate to be this guy. That was first couple years of Fuente era. That was like Larry Porter era. Larry Porter era jersey. You could smell it on it. <laughs> you could smell. You could smell the nastiness still there. Join the revolution was still on that jersey. I get it. I understand. Now, um, we have three as to talk on the way courtesy of 92.9 FM ESPN and yours truly. Uh, I thought last night was an interesting night for sports. Of course, you have Monday Night Football, but we also have the MLB playoffs going along. Tonight, we have a triple header for NHL opening night. That's fun. Connor Bedard, the man, the myth, the legend, 18-year-old for the Blackhawks. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to act like I'm some big NHL fan, big Blues fan. When they're good, I usually pay attention just a little bit more. Um, but we can all agree that the ESPN NHL theme music is the best theme music out there, right? Like even you can put it against Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, I still think it's the best. I, I don't I does anybody have another argument? Go listen to it if you haven't heard it. Beautiful music, and it's coming back tonight. Um, but I'll talk to talk about last night. What captivated me happened to be the MLB playoffs, and what did not happened to be Monday Night Football. Not a not a fun game, not a fun game with the Raiders <laughs> winning in a just knock them down, drag them out mid off, if you will, versus the Green Bay Packers. Um, we're going to be getting out a little bit earlier today, so 6 o'clock hour will be cut short. We have Grizz versus the Bucks. We'll be passing it off to Jessica Benson around 6.30 for Grizz pregame, so that cuts off part of our third hour, so the Blitz will be moved into the first hour around 4.30. Take a trip around the NFL, as is customary, every day at 5.30, small talk at 5.50. As far as guests are concerned, 5 o'clock, Jeff Calkins from the Jeff Calkins Show and the Daily Memphian, plenty to get to. With him, we'll talk about the Grizzlies. We'll talk about the Tigers, uh, basketball in particular. Talk about Tigers versus Tulane. It's the same things, really, with Christian Fowler as well as some uh, college football news and notes. Maybe get a little Oklahoma discussion in there um, because I know he and I were, were trading texts going back and forth talking about what is Oklahoma real at this point? How, how, how real is that Oklahoma team out of the Big 12 after beating Texas? Um, but definitely just... Laid out the show for you. We, uh, last night, had a nice little slate of NLDS and then Monday Night Football. I want to start with what did not captivate me last night. I do have some takeaways from the game, but 
golly, that Monday night football game was awful. I, I don't know. There's no other way I can put it, quite frankly. 17-13, Raiders get over top. But I don't think either team really deserved to win that game. When, the, when Amik Robertson, uh, Robertson ca- caught that, that final interception, Christian Watson slowed down, Jordan Love got out of the pocket and just threw up a jump ball. When he caught that interception, all I just I, I wiped off my forehead, had a couple sweat beads rolling down, and just said, "Phew! Thank God that is over." I am I I always sit through every single NFL game, every single Monday Night Football game, but that one was a tough one to sit through. Um, did you see? First of all, Connor, Mark Davis. Obviously, they showed him in his box several times. Younger looking girlfriend. First of all, kind of expect that with a millionaire, billionaire, whatever he is. Did you see him before the game, though, when he got to Las Vegas? He was coming in from out of town. In the airport, playing the airport slots before the Raiders came last night. Airport slot, isn't that sort of like the, the lowest grade of slots is the airport slots in Las Vegas? They're the saddest ones. You're not going to win. It's the saddest ones. It's just, I mean, he is, he's funny, though. I mean, there's, there's it's something funny about a guy who's— I think slot machines, to a certain— you know, people of a certain age, it's like catnip. They can't, they can't yeah. resist. It, it calls to them. Yes. They have to go do it. Yeah. It's addicting. I understand that. But you don't win. And then the ones at the airport are rigged, I would imagine, not for you. The saddest you is when you see win. somebody playing it as they're leaving Vegas. That's, that's the toughest of scenes. Because he, it's like, buddy, you're not getting that money back right before you he leave. He landed with his young girlfriend, and he sat down at those slots, and by God, he was playing. Something about a guy with a haircut like that, and what, what's the car he drives? Mini Cooper? Does he still have the Mini Cooper? I, I know he did for a while, but he's, he's just something funny about that guy. But either way, the game was awful. I, I've sort of told you about that, but um, Jordan Love, three INTs, um, bad offensive line play on both sides, just miserable. I think the final tally was somewhere around six sacks. Um, I, I thought it was bad schemes. There was at one point, I don't know if you guys see this, Connor, Preston Smith, who's a lifetime edge rusher, lifetime 31-year-old edge rusher, he's covering the best route runner in the NFL in Devontae Adams in the slot. It's like, what? how does that happen? What did you have in game planning? It doesn't seem that complicated. If Devontae Adams moves, you should probably move with him. He is that good. But they had Preston Smith, 31-year-old, 6'4", 265-pound edge rusher, guarding Devontae Adams. But that's beside the point. I thought last night the reason it was so horrible, and I, you know, maybe a little bit of a lack of talent, maybe just not good teams in general. That was awful coaching, both sides. Matt Lafleur consistently, consistently put Jordan Love in bad situations. Jordan Love is a guy who's trying to come along. They gave him his one-year trial run. They want to see if he can be the quarterback of the future, and you're trying to force him to throw the ball downfield. With young receiver after young receiver, Romeo Dobbs can't catch the ball. Christian Watson just, just got activated last week. These guys don't really know what they're doing, yet you're trying to make him forced balls into tight windows constantly. Now, did he have some ugly interceptions? He had that one right across the middle to Robert Spillane, who was phenomenal last night. I'll get to that in a second. Um, That was a gross one. But other than that, it just felt like Jordan Love was being put in a spot that he should not have been put in. And then on the other side, Josh McDaniels. There's At some point, and I, I was here even before he got hired by the Raiders, at some point you're going to have to sit down if you're the Raiders' front office. And I, as fans, we can do this as well. We're going to have to sit down and just realize Josh McDaniels doesn't know what he's doing. He just doesn't. He doesn't seem to trust his offense. He's told his offense a million times that field goal at the end of the game that got missed by Carlson – he doesn't trust his offense. And by taking that field goal, you're all automatically implying you don't trust your defense because you're trying to make it, it, it a tie at the least. You want to still have your chance to go to overtime and go win the game. So he doesn't seem to have much trust there. That field goal was miserable. I didn't really understand. Fourth and one, I'm usually a guy who uh, doesn't fully pay attention to analytics, but analytics told you go for it, trust your defense in that situation. And your defense came up big in the end of Meek Robertson again got the interception to seal it. And then, I believe, you know, the first half, when you're looking at the, the, the two-minute situation, they started driving a little bit, had a decent drive put together, and he didn't take a timeout until there was 30 seconds left on the clock. Well, 
at some point we have to sit back and ask ourselves, is Josh McDaniels a worthy head coach in this league? And I've always been of the opinion, especially since the Broncos era and drafting Tim Tebow, the only guy who thought Tim Tebow was worth a first-round pick as a quarterback. I knew it then that he wasn't worth being a head coach in the NFL. But right now, game after game, clock management gaffe after clock management gaffe, uh, not running Josh Jacobs even though you paid him $11 million a year. You just see game in, game out, he's miserable at this. And it's, it's tough to watch. It really is. And I understand that the Raiders didn't want to, you know, cut ties with him after one year, after last year, even though it was disappointing and they had, you know, high hopes for that season. Um, and really it, it comes down to bankrolls, right? Like, they, you know, we can talk about all these owners being billionaires, and they all are, but a lot more have cash flow. There's more people with cash flow. Clark Hunt, when we talk about the, the, the Chiefs, he has more cash flow than a guy like Mark Davis. Mark Davis is cash poor in a lot of ways when it comes to the rest of the NFL and the checks he can cut to go get free agents and everything else and cut ties with coaches and have to pay buyouts. He didn't want to do that last year, so that's why Josh McDaniels is still employed by the Raiders. But at some point, if you want to move forward, and become at least a playoff contender, if you want to you know, have a little bit of pride about you, Josh McDaniels isn't going to be the guy. It's one of those rare wins where you feel worse about your team than you did before. You know what I mean? Because it's very confusing when you watch the Raiders because it's not like they don't have the skill position players to be successful. Josh Jacobs, Jacoby Devon- Myers, and Devontae, Devontae Adams is a very good three to have, and they can't do anything with them. It's watching their game. It's as if somebody has never coached the game of football is trying to run their offense. We talked. We were joking about the NCAA fourteen test of having to do clock management too yesterday. Right. He wouldn't have passed it. He would. He would have failed. He failed it last night. He's 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 just inept. I'm sorry. And I, like I know there's Raiders fans out there, and I know we have John Martin at this station who's a Raiders fan. I think he understands this. Most Raiders fans understand this. Never really liked the hire from the beginning. But this guy is not head coach material. When he had success, let's be completely honest about it, he's attached to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick at the hip with the Patriots. That's where he had success. Tell me where else he had success. I'll wait. I'll wait. Tell me where else. The Broncos overtime win, okay. They didn't go anywhere else after that. Tim Tebow was their quarterback because he drafted and used first-round draft capital on Tim Tebow as a starting quarterback. It just it, it boggles my mind that this guy is out there coaching and honestly winning games. I'll get to, get to Green Bay in a second. But uh, the Raiders, I think the only redeeming quality for me watching that, watching that game last night, Robert Spillane, their starting linebacker, stud, absolute baller. And he was with the um, Steelers for a while as a reserve guy. He got, he got into action as a – Backup linebacker, but he had a lot of tackles. He had two INTs last night, two interceptions. And then Max Crosby. I want him in a good situation so he can win ball games consistently and get to the playoffs because he is a game wrecker. Like in the run game, pass, whatever you ask him to do, he does it at a very high level. And it's honestly a good story. I mean, we, we talk about his past. I know it's been talked about a whole lot, but, I mean, this guy who struggled with alcohol abuse and has completely beat that and is one of the best, if you know, if not a top three, top five edge rusher in the NFL right this second. So those are the redeeming qualities. Green Bay, Matt LaFleur was considered largely through his first three years with Aaron Rodgers, 13-3 and three, always, you know, in the NFC Championship or, you know, losing late. But a lot of people said, oh, this is, this is a good up-and-coming offensive mind He's a genius. He's really good at what he does. And it's easy to say that, and it's easy to win games when you have Aaron Rodgers in your corner and you're an offensive mind. But how much has that flipped? I feel like the the script has been completely flipped on him, considering last year with Aaron Rodgers, no dice, didn't get to the playoffs. And now you have a young guy in Jordan Love who's relatively average as an NFL quarterback, and you're asking him to do things that he's not equipped to do at this point in his career. And I, I look at that Green Bay team, I look at the Packers, and this is a well-run organization. I, I, you give them credit over their, over their years. Of course, uh, city-owned, uh, they, they've always been very consistent. They've had a quarterback run that I, I don't think many people can ever replicate again with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. 
over a 20-some-odd-year period. Um, it will really more than that, you know, 25-, 30-year period. So you give them credit for what they've been able to do in the past, but they've always had that identity of having a good quarterback, being able to pace a game, decent defense. They don't have an identity. I don't see it. There's nothing visible to me that I can really hang my hat on and say this is what the Green Bay Packers do well. That's a problem with an NFL team. They can't run the ball well. David Bakhtiari is on IR. They're missing a lot of uh, Elchin Jenkins still hurt. They don't have a good O-line. A.J. Dillon had 20 carries for 76 yards, which, by the way, Nailed shout it. out, yes. 12 and a half was far too it low. Was without, easy. Without, it without almost Aaron felt like Ryan. a mistake. Without Aaron Jones out there, that yeah. was it felt like a mistake of a line. I'll give you that. It wasn't even juiced either. It's like minus 120. Yeah, we this. nailed that. Yeah, that was, that was easy. So they can't run the ball right this second. And they have a bunch of guys on the outside who are uncomfortable in their position. All these young wide receivers who are trying to come along but aren't quite there. Ro- Romeo Dubs can't catch the ball. Christian Watson is not experienced enough. They don't have anything that I can look at and truly pick at and say this is what the Green Bay Packers are. And you thought with all the money they've spent on the defense over the past few years, that would be it. But that, that you know, even that's middling. Even they, they've been supposed to be a, a top five, top ten group past four years since they spent all that money. Preston Smith, Jair Alexander's there. Like all these names and their defense is still a middling defense. It's just a very meh, average NFL football team. To your point about them not having an identity, every time I watch the Packers, it feels like they're trying to replicate the Aaron Rodgers era or the Brett Favre era instead of trying to figure out what this team does best. Like Jordan Love, it's unfair to expect him to be Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre. Let him be Jordan Love. You need to build the offense around him being Jordan Love. That's the thing. They don't have a running game. They don't have an offensive line. They have no identity, like you said. Christian Watson isn't Devontae Adams. They keep wanting these young guys to be these Packer legends, and they just, you know, unfortunately they're not, but you need to set them up and give them an opportunity to be to, to be successful because, like you said, they're trying to force Jordan Love to make some throws that he just simply can't make. Yes, he's, too, he's young, he hasn't been thrust into action, and he's just uncomfortable. And he doesn't have the weapons on the outside to make the type of throws or, or, or you know, feed the type of guys that, that Aaron Rodgers did throughout his career. There's no Devontae Adams there. There's no Greg Jennings, for God's sake. There's nobody out there at this moment. I think Christian Watson can become something, but he's not that yet. You just have these young guys you need to bring along, and they're not along yet. I think that Green Bay team can probably salvage eight, nine wins. But outside of that, I, I wonder what they do going into this offseason. With the quarterback position, uh, they're going to have to have a, a, you know, look in the mirror and decide what they want to do going forward. They have aging guys along that offensive line. David Bakhtiari hasn't gotten on the field in a long time. Elgin Jenkins, same way. That defense is aging as well. Preston Smith, I mentioned, who had to cover Devontae Adams in the slot last night, is 31 the, years old. I, I don't understand that. I don't – can you – is there I, I any reasoning I, behind it? I can't. There's no reasoning, Connor. That is just coaching malpractice. That's all I can – that's all I can Like, when I first to. saw the highlight, I was like, oh, Adams really burned that DB. And then I was like, wait a second. Why is he – why, why is the DB 6'4", 270 pounds? <laughs> yeah. why, why can't – his lateral movement is lacking. They need to get that guy – no, he's Adam a – Adams was rusher. by him before he moved. It was it, – it's, it, it's coaching malpractice. That's all I can really chalk it up to. But that game last night was miserable. Both those teams, I think, will be very middling, and they're going to both have to look themselves in the mirror and understand and try to figure out what is best for me to do to move into the future. And it's not an easy answer. I don't think that there is an obvious answer, but they're going to have to figure it out. Now, what did captivate me last night? Not necessarily Diamondbacks over Dodgers, although that's fun. Dodgers are down 0-2 to the Diamondbacks. Can't say I don't love it. I am, I'm a big fan of that. Dodgers buy everything in the NL and still seem to be on the uh, brink of elimination against the team in the NL West that has been a bottom cellar dweller. That's fun to see. Braves, though, versus Phillies, it's big. This, this, is, this is peak Major League Baseball playoffs. This is peak playoff baseball. Braves won 5-4 over the Phillies, and they tied the series at 1-1. Braves, it's interesting. I brought up the stat yesterday. They had not been shut out in a game. They were shut out in game one and lost. They had not been shut out in a game since May 12th. And part of that 
is their nine-hole hitter, Michael Harris, their last hitter in their lineup, had 18 bombs during the regular season and hit 293. Their, their lineup has been just unreasonably good this year. But they went to start these playoffs, and maybe you could do the rest first rust thing. They took a few days off. You know, didn't have to do any wild card uh, games, you know, so they, they may have gotten a little rusty throughout. But they went 14 innings with no runs. I would like to know the last time that happened for this Braves team. Probably a long, long time. But they were down 4 nothing going into the sixth inning. Now, uh, they scored finally on an Ozzie Albee single in the sixth. Uh, Travis Darno then hit a two-run bomb to cut the, the Phillies' lead to uh, 4-3. But then you started to really hit your stride in watching playoffs. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Off baseball. Austin Riley, local kid. In the eighth inning, I, this was unbelievable. Two. Here he comes. Riley in the air to left field. On the run, Marsh. There it goes. Austin Riley has given the Braves the lead in the eighth. So they take the lead. We're looking at a 5-4 game. And then on comes Rysel Iglesias. He's trying to go ahead and close out the game. And honestly, he has to face the heart of the order. And there, there's a lot of struggle. Bryce, Bryce Harper gets on base. He's on first base. He represents the tying run. Nick Castellano steps up. He is the go-ahead run with one out in the ninth with a closeout opportunity to get one game down for the Braves. They have to go do it. And then this happens. Most closers don't. He deals a 2-2. Castellanos in the air to right center field. Harris is on the run. Harris at the track. He leaps, and he makes the catch. Harper might be doubled up. The throw gets away. The throw to first. It's over. Now, they did do a show track, if you will, to see how long uh, the run was for Michael Harris. He's an unbelievable center fielder, unbelievable outfielder. But they did the percentage of, of you know, uh, likelihood of catching the ball. It was at 45%, and he went and caught it. And that doesn't even take into consideration jumping into the outfield wall like he did. Um, but Nick Castellanos was that close to going ahead in that game. It would have been a double, no question about it. Bryce Harper tries to go score from first. He's not able to do it. Um, he didn't tag up. Michael Harris flings it in. Austin Riley yet again. Heads up play. He was backing up second base, grabs the ball, throws it over to first, and doubles up Bryce Harper. This game was one of the best Major League Baseball games I've watched it was all awesome. year. It was It awesome. was beautiful. It was beautiful. Now, I will say, Michael Harris, I, I, I don't blame him for being sped up after that catch, especially in that moment. In the ninth, you're trying to get a win. You don't want to go down 0-2 headed to Philly. That's just it's a recipe for disaster. 
But he was sped up a little too much. If he would have eight-hopped it, ten-hopped it to first base, rolled it to first base, he gets Bryce Harper out by 10 to 15 steps. He just flung it in there and hoped for the best is what, sort of what it looked like. I don't blame him for being sped up, but he's a little too sped up in that moment. Right, and, I, and to be honest, I don't blame – I also don't blame Bryce Harper for, for trying to score there because, like, that ball – off the bat, you thought it. I thought it was gone. Yep. Like when he hit that ball, I was like, "Oh my god!" Nick Castellanos once again did it. Like he did it again. Playoff baseball is pandemonium. It's awesome. Yep. The the crowd pops that you hear in playoff baseball are unbelievable. The Braves fans were going absolutely insane, and the Phillies are probably the last team I would want to play in the playoffs. I've called them this before, but they are like the MLB's version of the Miami Heat. They just come yep. alive in October and turn into a completely different baseball team. I love playoff baseball. I truly do. And, and true, I mean, like when we look at all of the matchups and the NLDS, ALDS, this matchup feels massive. Like oh, Phillies huge. versus Braves yeah. is huge. huge. NL East, two really good teams, two teams you do not want to see in the playoffs. One has to go home. It's almost a shame that one has to go home because they're both playing really well at this. Well, I can't say the Braves. They did go 14 innings without scoring, but then they they're playing they, well now. They seem to reverse it, but I think Austin Riley, that bomb he hit to go and take the lead, sort of flipped the Braves' mindset at the, at the plate at least a little bit. Hopefully, we'll see the we'll see we'll see that, if the, we'll see if that holds his, throughout the rest of the series. That home run that he hit is is kind of the difference between a normal person and an MLB player because oh, he really out. just flipped his hands yeah. at it, and yeah. that that hand strength. To be able to do that by just flipping well, your wrist is crazy. It was it was a breaking ball on the outside corner. Going away from him. And, and he, he pulled, pulled it. it. Yeah. Are it was, you kidding me? He just sort of flung the bat out <laughs> at unbelievable. it. unbelievable. And it still left by a pretty fair Oh, he crushed I mean, it. It was, he it, had, was, it was probably 390-some-odd feet. I don't have, the, don't have the show track on it. But it was still, it, it made it out. It was in the bullpen, but it was at the back of the bullpen. Just flung his hands out on an off-speed pitch on the outside corner and pulled it all the way into the bullpen and left. That was impressive as hell. He's a star. And shout out. Home co- home shout co- out. Home shout out. Kid. We love to see that? it. Um, now, Grizzlies will play. We're going to pass you off to that at 6.30, but um, they play tonight versus the Bucks at 7 p.m. Of course, pregame on 92.9 ESPN will start at 6.30. Um, but Taylor Jenkins, when he was sort of talking to the press today, um, sort of the big big news, I guess, if you will, about the lineups he's going to run out there. He's going to try to mix, mix and match a little bit. Um, first game was Rose, Kennard, Bain, Jaron, and Steven Adams. It looks like he's going to try to take Luke Kennard and bring him off the bench tonight. And I sort of wonder how he's going to move around the rotation in regards to that. One thing I have been trying to pay attention to, at least in the preseason, because I think it could mean something as we head into you know the 25th. We're very close. Um, I want to see what these front court rotations start to look like, right? Because we know that Jaron and Steven are going to get the starting minutes. But one lineup that has been consistently good, especially on the offensive end, everyone's been, everyone talks about it, but Santi Aldama and Jaron, I wonder how much that will get sort of deployed this year as we get into the heart of the, se- the season and the schedule. Yeah, we talked about it last week when Sparky was on, how Santi Aldama could be a huge X factor for this Grizzlies team heading into the season because he is primed to make that leap that you want somebody to make, especially with what we saw in his FIBA play. He was tremendous in FIBA play, and you hope that that carries over you know, to the Grizzlies season. And yeah, his pairings with Jaron Jackson Jr., though we have a lot of the numbers. They are very positive. It, the offense is booming, and of course the defense takes care of itself with Jaron on the floor. Yes, I, I just want to see how he decides. I mean, the one pairing of front court guys that is just not even uh, reasonable would be Xavier Tillman and Steven Adams, the same type of player, understand that. But you can mix and match a little bit. I, I want to see that Santi-Jaron potential closing lineup. If Santi can take another leap this year, Santi at the four, Jaron at the five. I know that people would talk about rebounding and lack thereof, at the end of games, but you keep the defense in there with Jaron. You add offense with both of those guys. I think that could be a very fun, lethal closing lineup as they get into the heart of the season. Well, and again, if you have Marcus Smart and you have Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor, the defense is going to figure itself out. So you can you can lean into the offense if you need to at the end of a game if you think, hey, we just got to outscore this team and make it difficult them difficult for them on the defensive end. Yeah, Santi makes sense at the four when that's your game plan. Yeah. Yeah, but we're gonna. One thing with Santi, you just have to see him hopefully defensively take a a step in the right direction because he had some issues. 
he had some issues. Largely has to cover guys out uh, on the perimeter that he's a little slow-footed, and then he can get bullied around the rim. But I think they're still upside there, still young. And, and I saw the yeah, he's leaps, only 22. And I saw the leaps last year I needed to see. And when you think about the upside he could potentially have on both ends, you, you really like what you see still. And thinking about sort of thinking back to the draft and him being taken 30th overall, you had questions about was he actually going to come to Memphis. Like that, that, that was – that was a good pick in that moment, and I feel like we've already seen a, a pretty substantial return on investment from Santi Aldama even early in his career. Oh, he's without a doubt an NBA rotational player at yes. this point. You just got to figure out how high can he go. Um, you, know, you know what his floor is. Now, last thing I want to bring up, a couple of uh, guys from the Grizzlies in the NBA Top 100. Um, we've got, we got 100 to 51. This is ESPN, the NBA rank, if you will. Um, Desmond Bain. I found this strange because I just think he should be higher. Got paid this offseason, 20-point-per-game score, 40% from three. Uh, I think most a lot of people I, – I find it strange how people talk about his defense, but I would term him a relatively – He's much better pl- defensively than people uh, Somewhat of a seem. plus defender yes. uh, most of the time. Yes. 61. Crazy. 61 is insane to me. Incorrect. The, 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 the names ahead of him, I'll read a couple of them. Uh, Marcus Smart was 59, so I'll be reading his name in a second. But DeJounte Murray, 60. Marcus Smart, 59. Jeremy Grant, 58. Hell no. Hell no. Zion, I think this is somewhat fair considering he hadn't played, but they they docked him a lot for not playing. Zion at 57. Um, Fred Van Vliet at 56. No. Draymond Green at 55. No. Andrew Wiggins at 54. No. Josh Giddy at 53. Hell no. No. Franz Wagner at 52. Franz can hoop. And then Aaron Gordon at 51. No. I, I like I would say about eight of ten, uh, eight of those guys. I I don't understand how you have Des below that. And I don't does, either. I think it does go to show, like even the response that was given when Des got his max contract. It feels like people have not really come around to understanding the type of player Desmond Bain is in this NBA. It's because he's he, viewed as the third, the third guy on this Grizzlies team. When that's not, you know. Technically, in the pecking order, sure. When Jaw's on the court, it's one, two, three. You know, Jaw, Jaren, But he can take Bang. over and be but a one at times. One thousand percent be a one. Yeah, he can score like a one. He has the offensive ability. He's a plus defender. I don't understand why people give him gripe on defense. It's because he's got short arms. But guess what? He moves his feet very well. Go look at his on-ball defensive numbers. It's there. He's also a creation player. He do- he doesn't just have to catch and shoot. He can create his own shots. He is vastly underrated in these rankings. Jeremy Grant is sinful. That they I know. Put. That's I, insane. It's just, it's, it's, Whoever wrote that no longer should be writing. That's crazy. It's just strange. That's crazy. It's strange that he still has not quite like his type of player is not understood quite really by Keep like sleeping the, on him by 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 the national media. Like what he has been able to accomplish. And a Grizzlies uniform thus far needs to be applauded. There's a reason he's he a got walking a bucket. He, he, he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He can put up 20 at any given moment. His creation's gotten better. He's a decent defender. He, he does everything you need. He really does. He, he could be a top three player for, I think, a lot of different organizations, a lot of different franchises. Absolutely. He'd be top two player on most teams. Yeah, so I, I just... I find it strange that it's still people have not come around, but I think people will start to come around. And understand. Listen, the Grizzlies do best when there's a chip on their shoulder and they are underestimated heading into a season. And it's it's weird too. Please keep doing it. It's it, it's just strange too, Connor, because people would say, okay, well, he's not been in the national spotlight all that much. I remember in the Lakers series, granted the Grizzlies lost that he was hobbled with a hurt foot and still had a thirty-five and a thirty-six point game. Like it was out there, out front against the Lakers. People were tuned into that, and he still he still does not get sort of the respect it seems like he deserves. I'm not going to get super uh, emotional up in arms about it, but I, I think that's far too low. 61 is far too low for a guy like Desmond Bain. It's sinful. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Now, we're going to get to an early blitz because, again, we're going to get out at 6.30, send you to uh, Grizzlies versus Bucks pregame, preseason game number two. Uh, but the blitz is going to be next, and uh, I have to give you my power rankings in the NFL – and uh, we'll talk about a little bit of the drama, I guess, going in Memphis recruiting circles right this second. That's next, 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. You're about to fill it. 
When you have disasters, you need someone to respond. In your time of need, you need someone to respond. And know who does that better than anybody? That's Service Master by Cornerstone. They're the largest franchise in a 600-mile radius, but don't just call them because of the largest. Call them because of the best. They've been awarded Service Master's Franchise of the Year Award, meaning they're the number one Service Master Store franchise in the United States of America. They take pride in what they do, whether it's water damage, you need mold remediation, uh, you have uh, storm damage in general. It could be something as small as an overflowed toilet. They will help you. Call Service Master by Cornerstone. No matter the place, no matter the size, they're here to help you with the damage. Could be a home, could be an office, could be a school, could be your residential properties that you're trying to manage. They will respond. Tyler and his team, Tyler's president and owner of Service Master by Cornerstone, but they take pride in what they do, and they're here to help you at moments like this, here to respond at moments like this. Their motto is, we don't pray for disaster, we just pray we get called when there is one. So remember the name, locally owned, locally operated, Service Master by Cornerstone. I've used the word respond several times, and that's what they do. That's why it's their number. Reach them, Service Master by Cornerstone, 901 Respond. 901 R-E-S-P-O-N-D, 901 Respond. Now, we are live in the beautiful Service Master by Cornerstone studios, and it's time to hop into the Blitz. Now, the biggest stories overloading the line. A bull rush of info. It's Gabe's Blitz on the Gabe Coon Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, Memphis's sports station. And always remember that the Blitz is brought to you by Sissy's Log Cabin. Connor, let's let's get it rolling. Week 5 is in the books for the NFL. I need your top five power ranking. All right, rock on. This is actually a little tougher this week. Like, we have some teams that are, like, right there. I like the Bills, but they didn't actually make it. They would be number six for me. I'm going to start with number five. Five's going to go to the Dolphins. Um, Now, I understand that the Bills handled the Dolphins relatively easily, but when you have that amount of speed and you are showing the ability to finally run the ball, I know Devin Achan's going to be hurt. We'll talk about that later. When we, when we get to the trip around the NFL. When you, when you have that amount of speed, you have a quarterback who's delivering the ball on target. We spent too much time in the offseason talking about what Tua Tagovailoa isn't and not about what he is. I keep saying that because I think it rings true. He's an accurate quarterback. He, he can read the whole field, but he doesn't have that big arm. You can call it a pea-shooter arm, but if that pea-shooter arm gets his weapons – who are as fast as, as you could possibly imagine. They have a track team over there. If he can get the ball to them, that's all he needs to do. And they're running the ball better. I, I really like what they have. Their secondary is very solid. They're going to get reinforcements as the season goes along with Jalen Ramsey. Um, Jalen Phillips, one of their edge guys up front, is doing really well, very high. He's top 10 in pressure percentage in the, in the entire National Football League. So the Dolphins get my nod at number five. Now, number four, I don't know if this is going to surprise some people. But it shouldn't. It really shouldn't at this point because they've been telling you they're on the way for a long time. And they're showing you now that they are here. They won the last 8 of 10 games last year, and they're now 4-1. and one. That would be the Detroit Lions. And they're coming off a week where they beat the Panthers 42-24. to 24. Um, and, and they're beating teams handily. Let's be honest about it. They're beating teams handily. Panthers 42-24. Packers 34-20. Falcons 20-6, to and then they also have beaten the Chiefs in Arrowhead. You can say Travis Kelsey was out, Chris Jones was out, it still was the defending champs. Good for the Lions to do that. Their only loss came in overtime to another really good team, in my opinion, the Seattle Seahawks. So I really like what the Lions have, one of the best old lines in the entire NFL. Jared Goff gets the ball where it needs to go. David Montgomery has two 100-yard games back-to-back. They're, they're really rolling. They just got Jamison Williams back from his suspension. Amon Ross St. Brown is very good defensively. Aiden Hutchinson is one of the top five guys in pressures on the opposing quarterback. They're improved across the board, and it shouldn't be surprising. I know it's jarring to hear the Detroit Lions in a top five NFL power ranking, but it is the truth of the matter. They are somewhat one of the most complete teams in the NFL, can they improve on the defensive end? Do they need to stay healthy in their secondary? Yes. But if those things work out for them, I think they're going to be a menace by the time we get to playoff football. Number three, the Eagles. Tush push, undefeated. But uh, Jalen Hurts has not even had what I would term a, a complete game yet, but they're 5-0. and Good O-line, good defense, loaded up front. I don't really have to keep saying it. They were in the Super Bowl last year. They were the team to beat in the NFC before the year. I have one team above them in the NFC. It should be pretty obvious at this point. Um, but number two, I have the Chiefs, just because we're talking about the defending champs. You can never count them out. 
You can never count them out. You may think their defense isn't strong enough and they don't stop the run well enough. It doesn't really matter in the end of the day. They have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones is going to create havoc. They're always good enough on the defensive side to help facilitate what Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and that offense does, and Andy Reid dialing it all up. That's number two. And number one, this is the most obvious. They've been dominant. There's no way. And if you're, if you're putting together power rankings, I don't know how you don't have this team number one. They just beat the Cowboys, who I think is a very good team in the NFC, although they didn't show it. Just beat them 42-10. to 10. It's, it's the San Francisco 49ers. The weapons, do I have to go through them? Christian McCaffrey, I mean, a backup Elijah Mitchell, but Christian McCaffrey, um, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I mean, you just keep going down. Jawan Jennings is even solid. I, I, good old line. Defense is first in the league. Fred Warner's a, a, just unbelievable. Nick Bosa is a reigning defensive player of the year. And I finally, if you were listening to the show yesterday, I have been talking about Brock Purdy. When does the Cinderella story end? I don't see any end in sight. He manages the game well. He's starting to build enough confidence to make tough throws. We saw that against the Cowboys. And he is just moving that offense up and down the field. They're a walk them down offense. What do I mean by that? They just consistently walk down into the end zone and for scores every single time they're on the field. So have to give respect to the 49ers. They're without question the number one. But in review, Dolphins 5, Lions 4, Eagles 3, Chiefs 2, 49ers 1. Mark Stoops had some interesting comments about an NIL on a coach's show that he was on. Yeah, this this was kind of – I'm going to read the quote first. I'm going to read the quote first, and then we'll sort of talk about where he was taken out of context. He said, fans have that right to complain. I just encourage them to donate more because that's what those dudes are doing. Talking about Georgia. I can promise you, Georgia, they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days. We could use some help. So a lot of people saw that last night, just saw that quote. Not the context, not the quote in its entirety, and they assumed he was complaining. And I understand people can get annoyed. Talk about NIL, talk about Transfer Portal. You know, the players, the pendulum swung in their direction. They have a little bit of power. There's some coaches that take exception to that. And some people get a little bit, of t- a little bit touchy when they see quotes like this. They're saying, well, he's complaining. Why are, you, why are you so worried? You get to go wherever you want. You make million-dollar contracts, and you can leave whenever you want. But I, I want to make it clear. One... This is the most important context. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. He was on a coach's show, and they're taking call-ins. So this was a disgruntled Kentucky fan complaining to Mark Stoops about losing to Georgia and what can be done to make up the gap between Kentucky and Georgia. So I can see where he'd be mad and complain about that. And two, listen to this in its entirety. He, he laughed a little bit along the way, but just listen. For us, it's it's you know we we got to watch it, we got to see it, you got to own it, you know you got to solve it, and then we got to go do it, you know. The other side of that, the the you know the the other side, if you want to do that, it's plain complain, deny, or make excuses, and we're not going to do that. You know, it is what it is, and uh, you know fans have that right. I, I give it to them, and you know I just encourage them to donate more. Because that's what those teams are doing, and and uh, and uh, yeah, I could promise you in Georgia, they they bought some pretty good players. You're allowed to these days, and uh, we could use some help. That's what they look like. You know what I mean? When you have 85 of them, so so uh, I encourage uh, anybody that's disgruntled to to pony up some more. 
So, one, I think he had a little bit of humor along the way, and he said we're not going to make excuses. He's not making excuses. But the truth of the matter is, one, I want to remind people, he was responding to a caller on a call-in show that he was a part of. That is the most vital context of this whole thing. If a caller's complaining about losing to Georgia and you're the Kentucky head coach, you're going to tell him the truth. And that's the, that's the other part of this. That, there was no lies. He told the no truth. No lies. That's the truth. If you want better players and you want better results, you have to pony up the funds for it. You have to. And what I'd say to the caller on the other end is, I think you know deep down, if you're a Kentucky fan, a Kentucky football fan, you know deep down, he's the best it's going to get for you, for that program. I'm sorry. Like, just look at that athletic department and how it's set up. John Calipari's there for a reason because he knows that basketball gets what they want when they want because of the storied history they've had. Let's be honest. The power structure in that athletic department leaves Kentucky football and Mark Stoops in second place and a distant second place. During basketball season, you hear Cal ever, he has no complaints about NIL. He gets whatever the hell he wants when he wants it. Mark Stoops doesn't have that luxury. So I think Kentucky fans need to start to understand, based on the power structure of that school, you have to donate more to football. You have to focus on football if you want better results. You can't just keep throwing things at the wall and hoping Mark Stoops is going to make things better little by little. He has done that. He maximizes, though, every single roster he has and does the best with what he has. But he doesn't have enough to compete with the likes of Georgia and Alabama. I thought that was obvious, but I guess the caller on the other end of, uh, of, that, of that call-in for Mark, for Mark Stoops didn't, didn't quite understand that. Last topic of the Blitz. Billy Richmond, father of Memphis recruit Billy Richmond, shocking, I know, yes. went to Facebook with Penny Hardaway criticism today. This was interesting. Um, and by no means, like, Billy Richmond, uh, good guy, know him. Um, great business owner here with the Wingaroo, like, really friends with the station. I, no, no issues with Billy. And he's, I want to make very clear, he's very entitled to his own opinion. Right, like that's that's first and foremost. I think that's my my largest opinion on the entire thing. If you've seen this out on the World Wide Web, he's entitled to his own opinion. But he went on in response to a sort of Memphis Tiger basketball Facebook post, and the Facebook post said, "Just you know, if Penny does not get Curtis Givens or Billy Richmond, don't think he's lost his mojo." Now, Billy Richmond responded, "You guys are funny and have zero clue. I love the Tigers, and these have been deleted, by the way." There's other ones that haven't been deleted. I'll read those in a second. You guys are funny and have zero clue. I love the Tigers as a former player. Memphis until I die, but this fan base is delusional. I've always spoke truth as a player under Coach Cal. If you recall, he took my interview privileges away because I was very blunt and spoke truth. Penny, great player and best player to ever wear a Tiger uniform. It ends there, though. My truth. It's honest. Now beat me up. He got a, you know, another response from somebody else and said, ask yourself why every top-notch assistant coach has left Penny full of S. And then he went on to say um, in a subsequent post after the fact, um, this was out there out front. These were comments that I was just sort of referring to. He said, the truth hurts sometimes. I've given money to the school, did NIL with uh, Calvin Austin, who played for the Tigers football and current Steeler in the NFL. So it's hard hearing, seeing the, uh, the being uh, about uh, uh, things the common fan has zero clue about but chirping. Have you guys donated towards NIL to better position with these top recruits? Have you donated anything outside your opinions? I will wait. Then he had another reply. We need NIL money to compete with SEC schools. I'm not speaking for my son, but from an alum who donates plenty to the university outside of my opinion. Now, I, uh, I think this is very newsworthy. I know we're talking about Facebook posts and social media, but it's newsworthy because this is a guy. I mean, Billy Richmond, his son, is a guy that Penny – and this staff are actively chasing. And clearly there's a disconnect there. Clearly the, the relationship is not necessarily where it needs to be between Billy and Penny, ultimately the father and Penny, ultimately. Um, but again, I think he's entitled to his opinion on this. I would say this, though. I think Penny has not necessarily accomplished the goals he set out to accomplish. I think he'd tell you that. But there was a learning process along the way. He set these expectations up so high and never reached them in the first four years. Last two years, we've been uh, looking down uh, at this team, and they have uh, they're in the NCAA tournament, made it to the second game, oh, very close to beating Gonzaga last year. 
a timeout called away. They could have had a timeout called away from potentially being a second weekend team if they beat Florida Atlantic. Um, so I, I, I would say I disagree with him. He's, he's completely fine to have his opinion. But I think these, when you talk about assistant coaches leaving, not pleasing assistant coach, him being full of S on the recruiting trail, promising recruits things that he's not going to deliver on the back end, I think those are relatively recycled narratives. I think those were narratives two years ago that, that rang true when, you know, expectation or reality was not meeting expectation. But we're now in a day and age where we're two NCAA tournaments in. You see all of these talented players that he's been able to bring in via the transfer portal. And you start to look back and say, Penny's learned a whole lot. I don't know if those same criticisms hit the same as they did two to three years ago. I, I, he's, again, entitled to his opinion. I just think I would disagree with it. I, I agree with you. I think that Penny Hardaway, you know, it hasn't been a, a perfect tenure as the Memphis Tigers basketball coach, but it's been a very good one. And I think that the program is back to where you want it to be. It's one, it's being talked about as, as one of the teams that has a chance to make a run. They are able to put together teams, whether it is from recruits or in the transfer portal, that are going to be very competitive. It, they're back in the national spotlight. It's well, it's been successful. Penny Hardaway as the head coach. It doesn't mean that it didn't come with growing pains. Right. It absolutely did. First but time I, college but, football or college basketball. But coach. to your point, I think Penny has has learned over the years how this thing works and where he's gotten to now. It's been a success. I don't think there's any other way to look at it other than a success. Um, I think there's three things when Penny Hardaway was hired that he needed to accomplish. One, get butts in the seats. Accomplished. That. Done comparatively to Tubby. I know there's been some issues with Tiger basketball, attendance, and season I can tell sales. I was but there he's for done Tubby. substantially There was better. nobody there. I was there, too. I was in college at that point. So like, <laughs> I was, I was yes, filming the games. I was, the, I was a cameraman. There was nobody there. Other part, recruited a high level. Tubby would not do that. Josh, toward the end, didn't do that at a very high level. He's done that. And three, win ball games, get back to the NCAA tournament. He's done that. He's only going to grow from here. I think this team's the best team he's had, the most experienced team he's had with a lot of guys that are very talented still, I think that there's still going to be growth with this program. Sure. So a lot of yeah. the things that Billy Richmond had to say via Facebook about, oh, the assistant coaches are leaving, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's full of S on the recruiting trail, I just don't necessarily see those as fair criticisms at this particular point. Could they come back later? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't think that will be the case. But I, I would just say I disagree. Simple as I can put it. I think that's fair. Social media watch though. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.